Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail, and welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women with curiosity, creativity, and courage. Members enjoy monthly programming and probing discussions. We hope to see you there. And welcome to our, our series on Advocates for Women Aging. Today, we're delighted to have with us Phoebe Rubin and Erica Tanamachi. They're a multi-generational team focusing on the ways women over 70 actively participate in society. Their featured documentary, Work While You Have the Light, profiles eight professional women over 70 who continue to work. They also co-produce a limited podcast series that features conversations with inspiring women over 70 who refuse to stop contributing to society just because of their age. And through their work, Phoebe and Erica expose and challenge major isms such as gender, race, and age. And they encourage all women of all ages to not fear age, but rather to welcome the opportunity to become fully themselves. So welcome, Phoebe and Erica. We're very happy to have you with us today. And let's begin by just tell us a little bit of your backstory about how the two of you connected over the subject of working women over 70. Uh, oh, should I do this? Go ahead. Okay. Sure, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's see. Erica and I met over 15 years ago. Um, I had, um, I was, I had a, I was raising my grandson and he was in the second grade and I was on the committee for the gala and they had suggested that I do a slideshow celebrating the school's 50th anniversary. And I said, I would do a documentary. I thought a slideshow was kind of boring. And, uh, however, I'd never made a documentary before. And so I needed help. So I went to a friend of mine who, um, had was the head of the cinema department at San Francisco State and told him that I, I needed someone. Could he help me out? And he introduced me to Erica, who was getting her master's, who was really close to finishing. And so we met and um, we did the documentary at the school. And then we've been working together ever since making documentaries. We made a small feature. I mean, a small doc, a short documentary. And then um, and then we've done other work together since then. What's your particular interest in women over 70? Because Erica, I don't know how old you are, Phoebe, and Erica, you're nowhere close. So I, <laughs> well, Phoebe's over 70. Yeah. I I am, yeah, I'm 42, going to almost 43. Um, so after, yeah, we, Phoebe and I had made a film about, it was about three years ago, and we were working on a film about um, a cafe in San Francisco called Cafe Jacqueline. And as we were filming her, um, she's 84 years old and she is the only souffle. It's the only souffle restaurant in the city and actually in the world, really, the strictly souffle. Mm -hmm. And I, she makes every single one. And as I was just filming her, I was just so inspired by her age and her passion and just all that she brought to, you know, what her work and at the same time, I was also filming another woman, Cindy Knight, teaching my children how to swim. And she was also 70. And I found myself with these just 
staring at these women and their hands and their faces and all of the life lived. And I was deeply inspired by what I was watching because here were these extremely passionate women that were masters at their work Mm -hmm. and craft. And I, I realized that in that moment, that just not enough, that women actually aren't looked at that way, that so often an older woman is so overlooked. And here I was looking at them with so much reverence, like I was so inspired. And then I turned to Phoebe, who at the same time had was also feeling this similar sort of way. And we basically decided like, this, this is something like these women that are working, they, they need to be revered. They need to be looked at and honored and, um, and, and shown so we can learn because I think for myself, I just really found myself at the time of my life, I was put going, you know, end of thirties feeling get that I was getting old, feeling that in my career, I was about to kind of go out more as a director and starting to feel scared. And then I see these women, I was like, oh my God, wait, what do I, that they're like, they have more than 40 years on me and I'm going to be so much better at what I do later in life. Like I just, it just Mm. changed my entire perspective upside down. Mm. So I think that was kind of where, you know, we sort of started and I'm so honored. Thank you to be on this podcast, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) given my age. (laughs) We welcome younger, younger people for sure. (laughs) I'm, I'm interested in how you define working because that is one of your areas of focus is women who are can continue to work but what is what is working what what does that include uh well let's see do you mean defining working just in general for women or for defining women working after 70 after 70 what is after yeah what is yeah. working yeah uh so we came to this. It's, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Erica. Go ahead. Well, mm-hmm. I think we we started out feeling it was very important that women were that we profiled were had a salary and were actually you know making money and still working. And we had some you know some women who didn't need to work but but were doing it because they loved their job. Others that really needed to work and were hustling. Um, And then we started to really have the questions too internally, like, well, what actually, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are actually working really hard and are also volunteering. Mm -hmm. And so we actually started one, one of our episodes, Amy, who is um, in our, I think she was released a few weeks ago. She, half of her time, she spends 10 hours making money from a grant, but it all came from kind of volunteerism and most of her work, she's so busy and most of her work is volunteerism. And um, obviously there's so much that she's offering to the world and there's so much that she's getting as well. So I guess part, I guess one definition or our definition kind of is, is contributing Mm -hmm. actively to something that is adding, if Phoebe can add to that. Well, absolutely. And also, I think if women were working before 70 and they were working at something that they were interested in and uh, motivated by and inspired by, then all of a sudden it's your 70th birthday. Um, why would you stop? Why would that make a difference? And but but it seems to often. And so I think the idea of contributing, of having your voice still being heard, mm-hmm. of not being dismissed, 
um, of saying, oh, in my 60s and in my 50s and 40s, I was curious and I was intelligent and um, I was inspired by the world. And then I hit 70 and I wasn't anymore. That doesn't make any sense. And so um, working just keeps you involved. It keeps you in the world. It keeps you alive and awake. And also, I think that we have something to contribute to. Obviously, and Erica was describing that to women who are younger than we are. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> and so what are so, some of the main themes that you're addressing in the documentary? Uh, how are you, what, what, what are these themes and who, who are they for and why do they matter? Erica, do you want to, or I can. Oh, do you want me to, yeah. Well, I, I mean, use- I. Yeah. Well, in the in the documentary, in the podcast, or kind of both, the, both. kind of both. Yeah, I guess. I mean, for us, the themes. Um, I think one thing that makes us unique is this, as you said, like this intergenerational um, pair that we are, and so I kind of come from this lens of you know, women that are having kind of having kids and on their way sort of back into the workforce, feeling um, scared, changing jobs um, and feeling scared of their age. Um, And I think Phoebe obviously is, is of a generation that has that in still working in her older age and is inspiring. And so I would say that like, for us that I think there's something interesting about that dynamic of both, um, showing this intergenerational like um, way that women can lift each other and support each other. And it's not something that we always talk about or think about. Um, and we kind of stay within our kind of packs in a way. Mm-hmm. But I um, I would say that's one sort of um, perspective that comes up, at least in the podcast specifically. Mm-hmm. And, and also um, a lot of the women that I'm around because we did raise our grandson, those moms are now in their mid fifties, their kids are finishing college and they're not at home. And I've talked to so many women that age who are, who had careers, who had really impressive resumes. And um, then they stopped to raise their kids. And now that resume is, is useless and they're scared. They don't, they really are worried that it might be too late for them and they don't know what to do. This podcast and just addressing older women and hearing all the things that older women are doing and thinking and feeling has really given them inspiration to, to know that, my gosh, if you're 55, you've got years and decades to go, which is another whole life. So um, it's kind of a great opportunity to reinvent yourself. And I think that listening to older women, we don't hear enough from older women and um listening to what they say is is really helpful and motivating and gives them a bit of solace also. I, I think you also pay attention to what I said in the introduction about the, the isms, about, about um, gender and race and obviously age, but can you say say more about, about that, what your intentions are? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, oh, and addressing these subjects in addressing ageism. And yes. in this podcast, we've also discussed racism and ageism. And uh, because that's a really important part of it, of, of our podcast and of what's happening in the world. And so it's a lot of probably the, the same themes that you all also discuss, I would say. Um, and there are also things that everyone should be talking about. 
regarding ageism, regarding racism, all of the different isms. Uh, I think it's just it, it's it's here right now. These are the conversations we should be having, and we certainly should be addressing ageism. I was listening to the Bill Maher show, mm -hmm. and he was saying that ageism is the only ism that remains that it's still okay to make fun of. Mm -hmm. It's still okay to make fun of old people and old ladies. For some reason, that has hit the correctness piece that everyone is is so caught up in. Yeah, for sure. Well, can you say a little more about the connection with racism and ageism? What are, what are you hearing and, and what are some of the, what do we really need to be aware of and talking about more? Erica, do you say, want to talk about Carol too? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Well, I was, I would say um, one conversation we had you know, we actually spoke with Amy. She's um, Japanese American. Um, she actually happens to be my um, my husband's aunt, so my aunt. And um, she, we started to talk about sort of her life and uh, growing up as a Japanese American, you know, person. Her parents were, well, it's actually her her parents were incarcerated in the camps. Um, and she pushed back because we started to talk. You know, we were asking kind of specifically about her experience. And she also sort of pushed back in this way of like, well, that was also my experience, like my experience, just like your experience, we all have these unique experiences and my, my lens, it was an interesting conversation because it kind of brought it to the space with where, you know, let's just talk about really the work and what we're doing and not even necessarily for her, it was not even as interesting to sort of talk about her history in that way. I mean, her history, of course, she was fine to share it, but like, and that was her point of view, but it was also kind of like, you know, her, her, her experience is, you know, to, to it, it, in a way it almost was like, it, it was, it felt othered, if that makes sense in a way. And I think, um, not that we were doing that, but I'm just saying it was something that was, it, I found it fascinating to kind of, to, to, to talk through mm -hmm. the, you know, to the point, you know, we're also, we interviewed Carol who she, you know, she was at a segregated college. Um, she became a doctor, the head of the neuroscience department. It was at UCSF or Phoebe. And, um, you know, someone who's worked so hard, you know, harder than you can imagine as, especially as white women in this world um, to attain her career, you know, to stop at 70 why would you stop? Um, and so I think that it definitely, there's a dynamic there and the history of these women's lives um, is hugely, hugely inspiring and hugely important for us to like acknowledge and recognize too, you know, because they have, because, you know, as, you know, getting older as, you know, a white woman over 70 is also different than a person of color over 70 as well. Like you have, there were, there, there's another barrier there of invisibility that that person has, has, you know, lived through. In fact, Carol spoke to that beautifully where it's like, she already, like when we asked about being invisible over 70, she, she's already been invisible in many ways and felt that invisibility so much of mm -hmm. her life. So, um, it's just another layer. And, yeah. and my biggest, like, like what I, what I, my biggest, like kind of takeaway too, is just this recognition of they had this power of like, 
I just can't, like, they don't look at it. They don't, they don't look to it. They rise above it and, um, and don't internalize it because mm-hmm. otherwise it just would take them down. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I would add to that regarding Carol, um, that because when we asked her, how do you feel about the invisibility dismissal part of being a woman working? She said, well, because I'm African-American, that's always been, I've always had that experience. But I think that she did feel that there was a little, it was upon her a little bit. She was the first person in her family to go to college, let alone become a doctor. And so she felt the weight of representing that a little bit in her life. Would you want to tell us about another uh, guest that you've had? Someone else you're, who, who's on your podcast or uh, in the documentary that expresses this, this feeling of why would I stop? Mm. Can you think of anything? Selma. Maybe Selma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Selma uh, is, lives in Los Angeles, and she's been the director of the Fisher Museum, which is on the um, UCL or the USC campus. And she's been the curator there for over 40 years. Selma just retired, although she's writing now, but she's 79, I think, and she has been working her whole life. And she worked her way up. Um, uh, She it, for her, it was interesting. And it was, um, she she was a man, she was a woman in a man's world. And those many years ago, being a curator in a museum, mm-hmm. um, it was difficult for her to have a voice and to be taken seriously. And she just kept on. She was so, she's very innovative. She brought a whole other piece of, of the art world into the museum, um, the whole Latin world. She's written book after book on um, Oaxaca and cookbooks. And um, she brought these artists in who have just been brilliant and just changed the complexion completely of the museum. And she raised two boys and she was divorced and then she remarried. Um, but she just kept at it. And she had that that conversation that we all have if we have children, which is how can I work this hard to get to this point and also be a good mom? So she that was something that she dealt with for her whole life. and. Um, and she's dynamic and extraordinary and has more energy than I do. And um, even though she's just a little bit older, um, I would say that Selma is certainly someone that had to play in the boys club and had to make it in that club. Um, we have Sharon we could talk about too. Yeah. Well, and I would say all of them have. All right? of them. I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who's Um, actually her Phoebe's podcast? We I interviewed Phoebe, and it is today. It it launched. It it went out today. Her episode. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. What 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 of your story would you like to share? I mean, you mentioned that you you had you have children, and then you have raised your grandchild, and yes, so. And you're doing, you're working in documentary and podcasting and tell us about a little bit and give us some glimpses into you, your story. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Um, Well, when I was, so 
I raised my two daughters. And then when I was 50, my younger daughter had a really bad drug problem and had a baby and couldn't take care of him. And so we stepped in and we've had him since he was 10 weeks old. And now he's 24. So, I mean, we're definitely mom and dad, even though he knows obviously we're his grandparents also. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really odd for me to start again. I had made one short film. Um, Before that, I was a therapist. um, And for some reason, my clients just all ended up being women, except for one, for one man. And, um, and so uh, when our, our grandson came, um, everything, I had just made my first film called Women Who Cry in Restaurants. And it got accepted at the LA Shorts Festival. And it was very exciting. And then all of a sudden, I was a mommy again, Mm -hmm. at 50. And it was really, um, it turned everything upside down. And so I was on a track and then I had to push that aside because I, here was an infant that was now in our house. And so um, I, I have a really strong uh, sense of, uh, I have a really strong will and I have a really strong sense of curiosity. And so, yes, this was happening and I was raising another child, but I also had all these other things that I wanted to do. And so I was doing the juggle again of having a child and also being a mom again. Um, Then when Eric and I started working together and making documentaries, I just went onto this path and, um, and I raised this boy. (laughs) And so um, I just, I think for myself, I'm going to be 76 in June and I still, and that's getting close to 80. And when you're looking at 80, it's like, oh my God, that's really old. Um, there's no because way you're talking to, to Gail. It's not getting <laughs> are you, how old are you, Gail? I'm 81. Oh, okay. So, and there you are. So you're an inspiration to me because I'm not quite there yet, but it's, you know, you start to think not so much about for me, at least, Gail, I start to think about things I still want to do. And truthfully, we don't have as much time. And so for me, it's helped to stop my terrible procrastination problem. I don't do that so much anymore, because it's like, if not now, when? Do Do you is that do you feel that way as well? Absolutely. Believe me, she does. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. There's so much to do and so little time to do it in. That's right. And you add that extra feeling of, well, how long am I really going to live? How how much time do I really have? This is different from feeling that way when you're 50, which I have felt this way my entire life. So much to do and so little time to do it in. It, It takes on an added layer. It really does. It does. So yeah. I'm, I'm um, curious about. I, I know. I know you're really working to try to change the, the paradigm or the narrative about older women, as contributing members. And what do you envision for the future? Do, can you do you have a forecast of how mm-hmm. you and we and others can can really make shift the paradigm? I love that. Um, well, you know. 
you know, like Julia Louise Dreyfus has a new podcast also that just came out about women over 70. And, you know, we, we, we say it's like, it's great. It's like one more to the mix and it's all celebrities, of course. Um, and I think that there is a shift like socially, culturally with things mm-hmm. like that, that are coming out there. Um, and, and there is an audience obviously for them. And we're proving that more and more, I think, you know, look with your, uh, your growing audience, our audience, just what we've, you know, we've got 3000 new listeners just in a few weeks of just, you know, launching this podcast. So clearly people are, are listening and want to listen. And I think that's like a, the first step, right. It's like, and I think in that it's like a first step is recognizing, oh yeah, there is a problem here. Like the problem is that, you know, there's all this like 20 under 20 or best so-and-so's 30 under 30, you know? And I mean, Forbes recently did come out with what 50 over, they have like a 50 over list, um, which it was just a couple of years ago, I think they started. Um, and I think it's initiatives from people who are who are aging, you know, women. I mean, I would say like, the generation that you got, you are in, you're pioneers really of the working world of the juggling of the trying to have it all be raise kids and have careers and, um, or even starting careers at 50. Like, you know, my grandmother who we interviewed started her career at 50 and she had a very successful career and she's 94 now, um, and continues to work. So I guess that as we are pushing this, like, I think it is of your, it is your generation that's actually saying like, oh no, this is possible. We're here. We're still really. And that is now as women are aging into this over 70 space who have been in it for a long time, long time working. It's just become, it's going to be, I think more and more, they are going to be more and more vocal mm-hmm. and the lens is going to just be forced to go onto them. And I think, I hope, that we can start to recognize, you know, as our society, um, the value and importance of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at native cultures, right? Women are revered, like like older women are are the wise people that they are the ones to be listened to. They start speaking, you stop speaking. You know, that's that's how. A culture should be and I think unfortunately and we talk about this a lot and this goes into sexism you know we've been in a patriarchal capitalist society for like 4,000 years and I think that the woman's voice has been pushed down and I think now that awareness and recognition of like what we've been living in is also starting to trickle down in ways where it's empowering us to create art and um pieces like this for inspiration. Well said, really well said. Do you want to add anything, Phoebe? Well, I just, I think it is incumbent incumbent about for all, for us in our generation to keep living out loud, to keep you're doing it and we're doing it and just have more of a reach to really to just keep our voice out in the world. Um, and also just by realizing that we can't we are the age we are and just kind of owning that we can't pretend like we're younger than we are we we are the age that we are and it looks pretty good i mean for all of us right now we're doing okay and um 
I think we just try to own them and be as as full of ourselves and live as fully as ourselves as we possibly can as an example. I think that that's, and not go away quietly mm-hmm. um, because we all still have a lot to say. <laughs> the that's notion right. of being full of ourselves, that is so contrary to how women typically have been been raised, socialized, to be full of ourselves. Yeah. That's right. I like that's right. It. It's <laughs> It's selfish in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. And to keep living out loud. Yes. Also to start living out. Right. And and as you get older, you, what what have you got to lose if you're living out loud? So let's all do it, ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And, and maybe, uh, thank you so much for being with us. This was really yeah. thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. You know, it's what you're doing is really just so great. I wish I lived closer to you so I could attend some of your things. Um, But it's great what you all are doing. We are happy to have you on Zoom anytime. Yeah, many of most of our programs are on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. So also person things, but I'd love to have you. Love to have you for sure. So listeners, thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. And this is a really good thing. Still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play and YouTube. Support women over 70 and let your voice be heard. Help us change the conversation about aging. (laughs) 